WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Wednesday, July 12th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today. Could see some afternoon clouds, but the story of the day is going to be awfully warm. High 92 here in the city. Tonight, overnight clouds, low 75. Thursday, sun and clouds, not as hot. High 89. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 68 and clear in Mount Ivy up in Rockland County. 64 and clear in Netcong down in New Jersey. And it is 73 and clear here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, sit in friends in the morning. When you have a name like Noam, over the years... Uh, you know, you walk into those tourist stores when you're at a tourist attraction and they have the names of the keychains. And, you know, let's say you're at Disney World and you want a Disney keychain and they have every name on the planet, right, from A to Z. But never, ever, ever have I run into a tourist spot where they have those knickknacks, where they have my name. I mean, in the realm of the world, it is not a big deal. But I remember as a kid, it was kind of like, oh, well, there's Naomi and there's, uh, you know, but it never worked out that there was a gnome because it's a wacky name. Not that many people have the name. Um, and so over the years, of course, people have just butchered my name, which is fine. I've gotten used to it. You know, they always think that I'm saying Norm or Nam or they just think I'm getting my name wrong. Um, but usually it doesn't happen with my last name, which is Laden. Now, especially with Osama bin Laden or Laden, however you want to call him, by, people seem to get that name correct, except on the overnights with Frank Murano. Here's what happened the other night. John is on Long Island. Hello there, John. Hey, Frank. I asked you a question before. Let me get more clarification. Uh, like Norm Abrams, you know, he when he chimes in with his reports, <laughs> does he write his own headlines? And I give you an example. When Daniel Penny was, uh, you know, in the show called, uh, uh, Norm Abrams says, you know, it was a deadly chokehold. Many change it later on. Did he write that headline? Oh, that comes from somewhere else. In the exercise that he just mentioned, Noam Abrams would have written that himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he gotcha. would. Okay, maybe yeah, I should so change my I, name. I, really, I honestly don't know. That's uh, one of the things they wisely yeah. keep me away from. Abrams. Yeah, I've never been called Noam Abrams or Noam Layden. That's the last name. Usually you get the last name correct. It is not Abrams. It is late. All right, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. Just a wild scene on the FDR. Bullets fly in the Bronx hitting two young kids. Two troopers tell how they save lives in the Hudson Valley. Ron DeSantis talks about being a running mate. And are actors about to take to the picket line? All right, let's get into it uh, on 503. We'll start up in the Bronx. Just a god-awful shooting there. Four people shot, including two kids. This is at a park in the Kingsbridge section of the borough about 6 o'clock last night. The bullets flew St. James Park near 193rd and Morris Avenue. This was about 6 o'clock, so you can imagine how packed the park was, especially on a warm afternoon. Two gunmen riding scooters pulled up and just started shooting into this crowd. But I don't know, it's terrible with the kids. When I hear uh, at least this shot, at least, but I 
In the Bronx over here, that's normal. Four people injured, including two brothers, a six-year-old and a three-year-old. Both of them were shot in the leg. And you can imagine what a scene it was as police officers picked up those two boys, raced them into police cars, took them away, took them to St. Barnes Hospital. The good news is they're expected to survive. A 25-year-old man shot in the back, a 23-year-old shot multiple times to his body. This is all during the same shooting from these guys on scooters. Both of those victims at St. Barnabas Hospital as well expected to survive. So that's the good news. Police uh, searching for the gunman and when it was a tough night for them as well. Two people with no regard for society or life will pull up to a crowded park on East 193 Street here in Kingsbridge, fire into that park where hundreds of people were congregating on a hot July day. Uh, This is totally unacceptable. It is. It's not clear yet who the intended target was of that gunfire, what the motive was for the shooting. And those two boys, men on scooters uh, have not been found. No arrests have been made. 505. Then another wild scene, this one on the FDR, middle of the afternoon yesterday, a Lyft driver taking a passenger down the FDR when this passenger tries to steal the Tesla they're in on the FDR. This is Lower Manhattan, and um, as they uh, are driving on the parkway near the Manhattan Bridge, Uh, He tells the guy to give him over the car when the driver, the Lyft driver, says no. This crazed uh, passenger takes out a knife, stabs him three times, then jumps out of the car and tries to get into other cars uh, that have slowed down. Uh, He actually dives into one car to try to steal that one. The driver is able to get away. And then this, uh, he looks to be a kid, all of about 20 years old. He realizes he's in trouble and he runs over to the end of the FDR and he wants to jump to the roadway below. And you know, that's, if you've driven the FDR, it's elevated roadway. You know, that's not going to end well. Fernando Mateo, who's an advocate for taxi drivers, says the would-be driver was not too bright. I guess he realized that he wasn't going to take the car and he wasn't going to take the money. So, best thing he could do is try to get away yes so uh so now first he tries to get that lift driver to hand over the car stabs him three times that doesn't work out then he tries to steal another car that doesn't work out so he gets to the off to the side of the fdr and he jumps and uh as he lands because it's high up he breaks both of his legs and there is actually some gruesome video of it, which unfortunately I watched this morning. He jumps to the roadway, both legs break, so uh, not hard to find him for the police, uh, uh, people describing the scene. An idiot. Really, someone that's just dumb, stupid, desperate. Yeah, not too bright. Uh, he's identified as 24-year-old Ishmael English, uh, taken to the same hospital as the person he stabbed. He's been charged with attempted murder, attempted robbery, reckless endangerment, uh, criminal possession of a weapon. The good news is the person that he did stab, that Lyft driver, thankfully, going to be okay. The stab wounds are in the shoulder and in the back, but they say uh, once he recovers, he's going to make a full recovery. WABC News Time 509. Let's go down to D.C. The House panel investigating the origins of COVID, honing in on a 2020 paper concluding the virus did not come from a lab leak. I view the processes to be flawed. If we're to do better in the future, we must make every effort 
to mend our flaws. Republican Congressman uh, Brad Wenstrup there says the panel examining whether scientific integrity was disregarded during the pandemic. To avoid blaming China for any complicity in a pandemic that has killed more than one million Americans. D.C. Representative Raul Ruiz disclaims Republicans' views that the paper was used as a cover-up by top health officials. Tearing it down, about manufacturing a problem and manufacturing distrust to justify an extreme partisan agenda. And Ruiz saying scientists still looking for the origins of COVID. There is currently no consensus on how this virus came to be, whether it came from a lab or from nature. Not a uh, five ten, uh, just a few feet away. Senators were being briefed yesterday. Artificial intelligence by top government officials. One of the greatest tools we have for predicting and intercepting attacks on the homeland, for adding unprecedented sophistication to our cybersecurity, and for protecting our elections. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer there says the classified briefing focusing on the technology's impact on global and national security. All the issues AI will impact, national security may well be the most consequential. In the wrong hands, the danger of AI could be extreme. Give those senators credit for trying just to figure this all out, as we all do, what AI is, whether it'll be a difficult issue, how it could be used against us. It's an issue that keeps evolving, but we have to get our hands around it. And these briefings are one of the many ways we're trying to do that. All right, 511, let's go up to Vermont. All that flooding we saw in the Hudson Valley, uh, those storms moved northward, and they parked themselves over Vermont. Vermont's going to get more rain this week. But, boy, is the catastrophic flooding, that's what they're calling it. Vermont seems to be getting the worst of it, pummeled by up to nine inches of rain in a really short period of time uh, yesterday. This didn't start until Sunday afternoon and uh, came fast and furious after that. We're trying to keep up, uh, but it's very localized. Governor Phil Scott says the state dealing with washed out roads, swift moving water that's left people stranded in their homes, in their cars. They've gotten to the, a lot of those people over the last 12, 15 hours. President Biden yesterday declaring a state of emergency in Vermont. Doing our best to keep up, uh, to alert uh, the communities as, uh, as we can. Uh, but, um, but it's hard to keep up when it's coming down so hard. We've had uh, like 48 hours of steady rain of that same intense rain that we saw during Irene. So four times the amount of rain. Yeah, and so many ex-New Yorkers, that's kind of like Florida in that way. So many New Yorkers, either they, a lot of them go south, what, South Carolina, North Carolina, Florida, but a ton of them over the last 10, 15 years have gone to Vermont as well. In fact, uh, just in the same way that Southerners complain there's too many New Yorkers there. If you go up to Vermont, a lot of people say too many New Yorkers in Vermont. So a lot of connection to the state. There was a moment when this dam in Montpelier looked like it could have to release water frightening scene for the people who live in Montpelier. Officials now concerned about a dam above the city here. They say it's approaching capacity. They may need to let some water out, which could be devastating. So now we're getting news that's not going to happen. The water has started to recede, but uh, they've never had that happen before with this dam. So uh, life-changing flooding like happened in Rockland, Orange, and Dutchess County and parts of Westchester on Sunday. The same thing happening in Vermont, but unfortunately Fortunately for Vermont, more rain is in the forecast for the rest of the week. And just the wild weather affecting everything. And uh, Rolling Hills Estates, that's in California. 
declaring a state of emergency there as a hillside that has left dozens of townhomes uninhabitable continues to shift. These houses are just falling down the sides of these hills. None of these homes were allowing anybody in. They're absolutely collapsing. Ten homes destroyed while the hillside gave away over the weekend. The chief marshal came to my house and knocked on the door and said, sir, you got ten minutes. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to be that bad. The more important thing is the memories that uh, lifetime memories that gather, you know, children's pictures and back in the days when they didn't have any digital photography. Yeah, uh, sort of interesting that the place is called Rolling Hills Estates, unfortunately, has turned into Rolling Hills Estates for those people in California. The good news is no injuries there. All right, coming up on 515, first check of sports on this early, uh, what are we at? Wednesday morning. You got it. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk, and uh, we'll say good morning to Justin Ellen. Well, thank you, Noam Olayden. Very proud of you for getting the uh, day correct. You know, I think I got it wrong earlier, so I'm uh, glad well, I got it right you got to make yeah. it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is Wednesday, hump day, and we've got to get into sports here. You had the MLB All-Star Game last night, and at long last, the National League is finally back on a top, snapping a 10-year winless drought. In the Midsummer Classic with their 3-2 win last night in Seattle. Yanks ace Garrett Cole started the festivities off with one scoreless inning on the bump while Mets slugger Pete Alonzo came off the bench to go 0-4 in two at-bats. Uh, it was an eighth inning two-run jack off the bat of Colorado Rockies catcher Elias Diaz that put the National League ahead for good and gave him the MVP for the day. Here's what the go-ahead homer and the eventual final out sounded like courtesy of Fox Sports. 2-2 to Diaz. is hit in the air to deep left field. Back it goes. Elias Diaz puts the National League in front. At 32 years old in his all-star debut, a go-ahead homer run. And a 2-2 pitch, Ramirez turns and misses. Kimbrough slams the door. The National League's finally back on top. Its first All-Star game win since 2012. Our local teams are off for the remainder of the week, but pick up second-half action on Friday. For the Yanks, they'll get going in Colorado against those aforementioned Rockies, while the Mets will begin their second half at home against the L.A. Dodgers. Also out of the MLB yesterday, reports are that the MLBPA would like the league to soften the pitch timer rule as the 2023 season approaches the playoffs, but Commissioner Rob Manfred is leaning toward keeping the current one in place. Players aren't suggesting getting rid of the clock entirely just tweaking it enough to provide extra time, especially in those high-leverage late-season and postseason moments. We'll see what comes of that. And finally, some good NHL off-season news for Rangers fans. Wait, wait, wait. wait. What? You're, you're going to give me off-season NHL news yeah. when Christopher Eubanks is in the quarterfinals at Wimbledon, an American, a 27-year-old. This is an amazing story of a guy people had thought his tennis career was over, and there he is in the quarterfinals. You're just going to skip over that and give me NHL offseason? It's, really? Wim- it's the Wimbledon quarterfinals, no? That, like, this until, kid, until we get to the semifinals. Why, do I, why do I care about Wimbledon? He's the last American left at Wimbledon. This is like, people are, are, are I was watching this thing. It's, I, I, it's, I you're rooting I, for this kid. I, I literally, this was the first time I heard his name. Really? Was, was you mentioning it this morning. Oh, no. Yeah. I haven't seen his name on any Wait, okay. on any sports platform on the internet, actually. Seriously? Yeah, I didn't I didn't even see it on the sidebars. I didn't even see it in, like, sub-headlines. My family was sitting around the tube watching this guy because, boy, he's so much fun to watch. Well, probably because you call it the tube. <laughs> I don't mean to smack you around, but this is the you no, got to no, get that right, into your right, sports right. report. I'll, I'll Christopher Eubanks. I'll throw it in there. Christopher Eubanks. Yes. Christopher Eubanks. Yeah. <laughs> Can I get to uh, the Keandre Miller contract? Because maybe more people lo- locally probably care about that. Fake news. <laughs> two-year, two-year extension for the uh, blue shirt defenseman. He carries a uh, 3.872 million AAB in each season. 
found a new deal for Miller. It was one of the offseason priorities for the Rangers with him being a restricted free agent. So there's some relief in being able to cross that off their to-do list with Miller still just being 23 years old and coming off of the strongest campaign of his career thus far. For Christopher Eubanks and uh, <laughs> Justin Ellis. I don't know. I've just been watching it. It's so much fun to watch. I, well, clearly, I you've been, you clearly, clearly you've been watching it. Yeah. Clearly you've been yeah. watching it. I'm Justin Ellis with sports on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 520 out to Lithuania. NATO leaders say Ukraine can join the military alliance once certain conditions are met. That's what the head of the alliance said today, or rather it was yesterday, during a NATO summit in Lithuania. Over the past several years, Ukraine has become increasingly interoperable and politically integrated with the alliance and has made substantial progress on its reform path. That's State Department spokesman Matthew Miller says conditions include anti-corruption efforts, strengthening of its democracy. There are still conditions that Ukraine needs to fulfill, but it has made great, great progress and alliance members will continue to support Ukraine's progress on Romanian reforms. And then yesterday you had President Biden thanking the Turkish president for allowing Sweden's accession into NATO. Thank you for your diplomacy and your courage to take that on. The two leaders sat down for a bilateral meeting at the two-day NATO summit in Lithuania. Yeah, Turkey just before the summit began this week lifted its blockade on Sweden's entry into the military alliance. Donald Trump, meanwhile, slamming President Biden for supplying Ukraine with those cluster bombs. The former president said Biden is dragging the U.S. into World War III by sending the cluster munitions to Ukraine. Trump added that the weapons will kill innocent people for decades to come, long after the war ends. Meanwhile, the Biden administration has defended its decision. In an interview with MSNBC, Secretary of State Antony Blinken said Ukraine would be defenseless without the weapons. That's because he says traditional weapons stockpiles have been depleted. I'm Lisa Taylor. And out on the campaign trail, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says he won't be Donald Trump's running mate. During an interview on Tuesday, DeSantis told the Wisconsin Right Now radio show he's not a number two guy. And he wouldn't join the former president on the 2024 ticket, even if he was given the chance. When asked about his own pick for a VP, DeSantis said it would be presumptuous of him to be thinking of declaring a running mate before winning the primaries. Initial polls show Trump has a sizable lead over his fellow Republican opponents, including DeSantis and former Vice President Mike Pence. I'm Mark Mayfield. And out on the campaign trail, well, he's not officially there yet, but might be California Governor Gavin Newsom putting the GOP leaders on blast. Newsom, of course, uh, initially thought might run for the White House. May still, depends on what Joe Biden does. But talking to reporters yesterday, the Democratic governor left no room for political pleasantries when talking about Republicans. Now they all continue to get reelected is beyond me. Infant mortality, I mean, you care about life and you look at life expectancy, you care about life and you're getting kids that are gunned down by weapons of war. Spare me, all in the name of freedom. Newsom uh, chewing out Republican governors and how they run their states, pointing out how states that they lead have suffered under their leadership. I'm sitting here, I'm just bewildered. How can the Democratic Party, eight of the top ten murder states are Republican states, seven of the top ten dependent states, God forbid, Dependent states are red states. Yeah, so I imagine Republicans would push back against Newsom's statements. That all is a new poll shows President Biden pulling ahead of Donald Trump in a hypothetical 2024 matchup. The morning console poll shows 43% of registered voters would support the sitting president in the general election, compared to 42% who said they'd back former President Trump. Another 10% said they would support someone else, while 5% said they were unsure. 
Trump remains the clear frontrunner in the race for the Republican nomination. I'm Mark Mayfield. Let's go back overseas. The damage from the riots in France sparked by the fatal shooting of that teenager by police is now estimated to be, you ready for this number, $700 million. In Paris, reporter Ross Collins says shops, schools, public buildings all looted during more than a week of unrest during those riots in early July. The French Insurers Federation has registered 11,300 claims linked to the damage caused during more than a week of urban violence. The total of $715 million is a sharp increase on the $308 million of damage that was estimated during preliminary claims last week. Ross Cullen, Paris. Yeah, a lot of damage. PGA Tour executives facing a grilling on Capitol Hill yesterday following the agreement between the PGA and Saudi-backed Live Golf. How vast sums of money can induce individuals and institutions to betray their own values and supporters or perhaps reveal a lack of values. Connecticut Senator Richard Blumenthal says his investigation into the merger is looking at how a brutal regime can take over an American institution to cleanse its public image. That's what he believes the Saudis are doing by taking over the PGA. How a brutal, repressive regime... I just said that. ...can buy influence, indeed, even take over a cherished American institution. It's a regime that has reportedly killed journalists jailed and tortured dissidents, fostered the war in Yemen, and supported other terrorist activities. 525, Bank of America is ordered to pay customers more than $100 million. Tony Waterman says federal regulators found the bank double-dipped on fees. So if you overdrafted your account, normally what do they smack you with, a $35 fee, whatever it might be? Apparently the bank was doing that twice on the same transaction. Now they're facing big-time penalties. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau said Bank of America harmed hundreds of thousands of customers over a several-year period charging clients tens of millions of dollars in repeated fees and withholding promised cash and reward points. Workers at the bank are also accused of illegally applying for and enrolling customers in credit card accounts without consent so they could meet their sales goals. Bank of America must also pay $150 million in penalties and fines. Hollywood uh, writers, of course, have been on strike. It's been a couple months now. And now the strike might get bigger and what it might mean for content, for the streaming services, for the networks come the fall season if there's no writers and now maybe no actors. If you don't have either of those, you can't make a TV show or a movie. Hollywood Studios preparing for this possible actor strike could happen any day. SAG-AFTRA's current contract with studios will expire at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time Wednesday. If a deal isn't reached by then, an actor's work stoppage will happen, joining writers already on strike for more than two months. The deadline is just hours after the nominations for the primetime Emmys will be announced Wednesday morning. The strike would also affect movie premieres, with multiple reports saying Disney would shift its planned debut of Haunted Mansion at Disneyland this weekend to being a fan event. I'm Lisa Taylor. Yeah, you know what? There's so much content out there. We were talking about this in the newsroom. 
it's almost like if they take a pause, that'll give us a chance to catch up on all the content we haven't seen yet. And then they can start doing and putting out more content. But uh, all those writers, all those actors, a lot of money lost there as long as this, the more days these uh, strike uh, goes on. We are just getting started on this early Wednesday morning. So much more to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. The search is on and continues for two men who shot and killed a family man behind the counter of a deli on Staten Island. We'll get into the latest on the search for those uh, creep. We actually have the sound of another robbery on Staten Island. A guy walks into a store. Uh, thank God he did not hurt the, uh, hurt the clerk, but we have the audio of what he told that clerk as he robbed him. You'll want to hear that before the morning is out. And uh, the latest on that cargo ship that sits in the port in Newark, the funerals for those two firefighters killed battling it, that's coming up, but there's more news about what might have ignited that. We'll get into that and more, but first this at 5. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Wednesday, July 12th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today. Could see some afternoon clouds. Going to be awfully hot. The high 93. Tonight, Overnight, the clouds come in, low 75. And then Thursday, sun and clouds, not as hot, but still warm, high 89. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 68 and clear in Mount Ivy in Rockland County, 64 and clear in Netcong down in New Jersey, and it is 73 and clear here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour out on Staten Island, the search for two gunmen who shot and killed a deli owner over the weekend. They cannot find these two. They were masked up as they went into this store and they shot and killed Bassem Al-Khatib. He was working the Delhi County Saturday night when these two men raced in with shotguns. His wife now left to wonder why the robbers had to shoot her husband. Why didn't they just rob him, take the money and leave? Think about his kids. Think about his life. Think about what the bad thing you did. He was my friend. We worked together for a while. He always helped me. He was always very good to me. Cops have released surveillance footage of the two wanted gunmen. They're hard to make out because they're behind these masks. Khatib leaves behind his wife, two young kids. There was a prayer service yesterday at his mosque, the Nur al-Islam Mosque on Staten Island, where community members were uh, beyond upset about what took place. This man is 36 years old. Today's his birthday. Last year, this day, on this day, at this time, me and him was going around looking for a king for his children. He didn't deserve this. Friends say uh, the city could have done more to protect shop leakers like uh, Khatib. The reason why, to me, what why this is happening 
as the city fell off within the last few years. So, as I said, Khatib leaves behind two young children, a grieving widow. They had come here from Jordan to realize the American dream. Of course, now it's become just a complete nightmare. So the widow saying yesterday that she's going to go back to Jordan to bury her husband, and she says she'll likely stay there because she says it's safer in Jordan than it is out on Staten Island. While we're out on uh, Staten Island, uh, we're getting the audio of another holdup. Thank God nobody hurt in this one. But a rifle-toting thief holding up a Staten Island convenience store also over the weekend told the cashier behind the counter what he intended to do as he asked him to drain the cash register. The 26-year-old cashier followed all the instructions. Here you can hear it. The camera picks it up, the uh, surveillance camera. Empty the register. Empty it. Quick, quick. Get the cash out. Underneath the trainer. Write it. Everything. Yeah, so he tells him he's not going to hurt him as long as he follows the rules. The cashier spreads the money on the counter of the Veterans Convenience Store. This was late Saturday. The robber makes a specific request to leave dollar bills. He's not interested in that. He wants the big money. And then he tells the cashier what he's going to do with the money once he walks out of the store. No, no, leave the dollars. He says it's going to go back to the community, I guess maybe inspired by Robin Hood. The gunman tells the clerk that he plans to spread the cash around in the Staten Island community. The clerk, thankfully, physically not hurt. The store employee, though, completely shaken up because he had a gun in his face during this whole holdup. That gunman is still on the loose. Let's go out to Newark, where several agencies starting to investigate last week's cargo ship fire in Port Newark that killed two firefighters. Coast Guard Captain Zeta Merchant says crews there will now start to salvage this vessel and transfer the cargo off it, a very delicate process that could be dangerous. So it could take a while. There was 5,000 cars aboard this cargo ship when it caught fire last Wednesday. Those salvage operations can go between uh, one to two months, but it really depends upon the sequencing of those events and the available resources. Now that the blaze is out, investigators every level of government trying to determine what caused the fire, the deaths of Newark firefighters Wayne Brooks Jr. and Augusto Akabu will be laid to rest on Thursday and Friday. Before they are shipped for transport, the gasoline tanks are, are, you know, all but have a spit in them in order to get them, get them off the ship. Batteries are disconnected. And with the findings of the investigation, we are committed to implementing lessons learned so we do not repeat the tragedies we've experienced here in Newark. Yeah, and yesterday the New York uh, Firefighters Union voicing concerns that they just don't have enough members anymore like they did just a couple decades ago. Our apparatus are unsafe. For instance, our large capacity fireboat wouldn't start the day of the fire. We have rigs older than firefighters driving them. Yeah, from two decades ago, they had 600 firefighters, now just 400 today. The bottom line is, this fire department has been neglected. 
where is that report for the city of Newark? Yeah, they're saying that there's much to be done to help this fire department as they grieve those two firefighters who were killed last Wednesday amid the flames and smoke of that cargo ship. WABC News Time 539. There's a new law in New York strengthening hate crime investigations and reporting on college campuses. Governor Hochul signing legislation yesterday that requires colleges to post all hate crimes on their websites and requires them to inform incoming students about hate crime prevention measures. That should say to prospective students and their parents, that's where I want to go. This is an institution that acknowledges this exists and is willing to do something about it. The new law requires colleges to implement a plan to provide investigations of hate crimes on uh, campuses. The bill sponsor, Queens Assemblyman Daniel Rosenthal, points out that hate crimes have not only been on the rise on college campuses, but are seeping uh, into other institutions as well. Discrimination and anti-Semitism has begun to seep into our institutions of higher education leaving students feeling unsafe while they are in school. All right, 540. Let's go out to Queens. Federal investigators offering a $5,000 reward now for information in the search for the person who destroyed two piping plover nests in Queens. Piping plover are birds. Someone damaged protective wire fences around two nests in Far Rockway on the beach. Four eggs were stolen. I've been coming here for six years and I've never heard about the birds. That's yeah, weird. Yeah, I bet most people don't know about the piping plovers. They're considered a threatened species, meaning that the risk of becoming endangered. The nests part of conservation efforts meant to help increase the species population. That's why there's signs and fences around the nesting areas on the beach. But somebody went in, stomped the fences down, and then stole some eggs. Of course, we're greatly concerned, you know, uh, that uh, we feel this beach needs more protection. This is deliberate vandalism. This is somebody going in and purposely messing with these birds, which are protected. The thieves are facing a $25,000 fine, now six months in jail, by the way, for each stolen egg. Jeez, all right. So uh, experts say there are only six to 8,000 piping plovers in the world, and a fair number of them right on the beach there in Fair Rockaway. 542, Pennsylvania Crime Stoppers Organization offering $10,000 reward now for information that leads to the capture of an escaped prisoner, Michael Burham, who's been on the run. Correspondent Ron Allen has more. Authorities say Burham is a survivalist with military training and believe he could be getting help after finding supplies and campsites they say he possibly used. It's the second time in recent months he's eluded police. Back in May, police say Burham spent nearly two weeks on the run as a suspect in a murder case. So officials say Burham who said to have survivalist skills, was being held on arson burglary charges as a suspect in the murder of a local woman. The 34-year-old also wanted here in New York on rape charges. Authorities say he may have altered his appearance so that he no longer has a beard, may have changed his hair. When he escaped prison, he did so into a huge forest that's right next to the prison. And uh, the police have come upon fires that they think he had started, ones that he had camped out at. But so far, they have been unable to catch up with them. 543. 
Today is day two of Prime Day. That's this basically fake holiday made up by Amazon to bump sales up during what's the slowest part of the sales year. Uh, experts, though, say it's now become uh, Prime Day, a bellwether for the nation's economy. It's become really a, a big predictor for what holiday gross sales are going to be. Professor Tom McMillan there with the Center for Retail Studies at Texas A&M says if Prime Day is huge, that usually means Christmas shopping will be big as well. That growth rate that Amazon actually sees during Prime Day typically translates into something that's very similar to what we'll see during the holidays. Prime Day expected to rake in nearly $13 billion in sales over the 48-hour period, which would be a nearly 20% increase over last year's Prime Day. I know people get all hyped up about it. It's this. a great predictor to kind of show, is it going to be single digits? Is it going to be double-digit growth? Yeah. All right, today's the last day. 544 for the first time in two decades. Cases of locally transmitted malaria being detected in the United States. More cases than they were just a week ago. Correspondent Priscilla Thompson has more. In Sarasota County, Florida, Dr. Manuel Gordillo treated four patients with malaria. It can be difficult to diagnose. There may be people that are infected now with low-grade symptoms or no symptoms that will manifest the disease at a later point. Yeah, so the survival rate incredibly high if you go to a doctor pretty soon after you realize you have it. Uh, six people in all have the mosquito-borne infection. The only way to get it is from a mosquito you can't give it to somebody else. One mosquito takes it from you, gives it to another person. That's the only way it is transmitted. All right, 545. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk, and here's Justin Ellick. Well, uh, thank you, Gnome Laden. Uh, sports, yep, the MLB All-Star Game last night. The National League finally gets back on the board after a decade of losing with their 3-2 to win. It was Elias Diaz. From the Colorado Rockies, who won the MVP with his two-run homer in the eighth. That home run it sounded like this, along with the final out. 2-2 to Diaz. is hit at the air to deep left field. Back it goes. Elias Diaz puts the National League in front. At 32 years old in his all-star debut, a go-ahead home run. And a 2-2 pitch. Ramirez swings and misses. Kimbrough slams the door. The National League's finally back on top. Its first All-Star game win since 2012. Those calls, courtesy of Fox Sports. Our local teams are off for the remainder of the week, but pick up second-half action on Friday for the Yanks. They'll get going in Colorado against those aforementioned Rockies, while the Mets will begin their second half at home against the L.A. Dodgers. Also out of the MLB yesterday, reports are that the MLBPA would like the league to soften the pitch timer rule as the 2023 season approaches the playoffs, but Commissioner Rob Manfred is leaning toward keeping the current one in place. Players aren't suggesting getting rid of the clock entirely, I should say, just tweaking it enough to provide some extra time, especially in those high-leverage late season and postseason moments and of course gnome this is for you your wimbledon uh quarterfinals an american an american boy out in london or uh, i guess i should say what an american werewolf in london is that <laughs> right is that correct he's going to take on daniel medvedev who uh reportedly is pretty good so your guy uh, christopher eubanks might go down here in the quarterfinals what do you think I, he I, you might be right by the way bill harsher do you know him uh sure why not yeah, i don't know him either <laughs> just tweeted me he said no um why were you so harsh with Justin? 
during the 515 it's, sports. It's and was fun. I? If I was, no, I didn't mean to. No, it's all good I lo- fun. Let I, me I, just I, say it here. I love Justin Allen. I, 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 I love you, have. too. I love your dad a little bit more, but I love <laughs> yeah. you, too, Noam. But so I, if it I, came I, across that way, I wasn't trying to. I was just excited about Christopher Eubanks. I know. You should be. As you should, I should be more excited about Christopher Eubanks, to be honest. <laughs> okay. I think it's more of, an, more of a crime that I'm not. I got but, you. Uh, I felt like I was harsh on you. So. Oh, no. Okay, good. We're still friends. Right, exactly. The apology gets reciprocated there. Then good offseason NHL news as well. The Blue Shirts agreed yesterday to a two-year extension for defenseman Keandre Miller. It carries uh, almost a $4 million AAB in each season. Found a new deal for Miller was one of their priorities, so they can check that off their to-do list. And Miller just being 23 years old, coming off the strongest campaign of his career thus far. Here with sports, now I'm on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Ellick. WABC News Time 550. Uh, Let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. Wild scene in an unfortunate one up in the Kingsbridge section of the Bronx yesterday. This was about 6 o'clock inside St. James Park. Hot afternoon. You can imagine how packed the park was with kids and families near 193rd Street. Two gunmen riding a scooter pull up up to the park, start firing shots at everybody there. But I don't know, it's terrible with the kids. When I hear uh, at least this shot, at least, but I in the Bronx over here, that's normal. Four people were injured, including two brothers, a six year old and a three-year-old who were both shot in the leg. A panic ensued as these two boys were on the ground. Nobody was sure what had happened to them. Police officers heroically picked up these boys, put them in their own squad cars, raced them to St. Barnabas Hospital. Thank God they're going to be okay. Both had been shot in the leg, but a six-year-old and a three-year-old shouldn't be shot in the leg. Nobody should be shot for that matter. A 25-year-old man shot in the back. A 23-year-old shot multiple times in his body. The good news there as well is they are supposed to make or expected to make a full recovery as well. Police searching for the gunmen and what they say was a really long night in the Bronx. Two people with no regard for society or life will pull up to a crowded park on East 193 Street here in Kingsbridge, fire into that park where hundreds of people were congregating on a hot July day. Uh, this is totally unacceptable. So what's not clear is who the intended target of this gunfire was, what the motive was. Uh, no arrests have been made so far. And then not too far away and down here in Manhattan, another wild scene, a Lyft driver uh, stabbed by a crazed passenger who tried to steal his uh, Tesla on the FDR, Lower Manhattan. This was yesterday afternoon. So the driver's driving this guy down to Lower Manhattan on the FDR when the passenger pulls out a knife and tells him he wants his car and to get out. Well, the driver fights back. The carjacker stabs him three times, then gets out of the car in the middle of the FDR. Other cars start to pull over and slow down because there's a guy standing there. He then tries to steal another car by diving through the back open window of that car. Somehow that driver is able to get the guy out of the car. Then this would-be carjacker realizes that the jig is up, and he walks over to the side of the roadway 
and decides that he's going to jump to the pavement below. Now, right, uh, FDR, if you're not familiar, elevated highway. If you jump, it's pretty far. Fernando Mateo, who is an advocate for taxi drivers, says this would-be robber, not a bright guy. I guess he realized that he wasn't going to take the car and he wasn't going to take the money. So best thing he could do is try to get away. And so uh, he leans over. You can see all of this. I watched it this morning because there's surveillance cameras everywhere now. You see this guy take his feet over the side of the railing of the FDR and then try to uh, get down further before he jumps. Uh, he falls to the ground, breaks both legs in that fall. It's a little gruesome to watch. And uh, police, of course, then seconds later have him in custody. An idiot. Really, someone that's just dumb, stupid, desperate. Now, now we know who he is, 20-year-old Ishmael English, uh, taken to the same hospital as the person who he stabbed. That person, the driver, the Lyft driver, going to be okay, though he was stabbed three times. Uh, Ishmael English uh, slapped with a bunch of charges, attempted murder, reckless endangerment, criminal possession of a weapon. And down in D.C. yesterday, a couple of those uh, investigations, House panels continued. One of them, the origins of COVID, honing in on a 2020 paper concluding the virus did not come from a lab leak. I view the processes to be flawed. If we're to do better in the future, we must make every effort to mend our flaws. Republican Congressman Brad Wenstrup there says the panel examining whether scientific integrity was disregarded in the name of politics during the pandemic. To avoid blaming China for any complicity in a pandemic that has killed more than one million Americans. D.C. Representative Raul Ruiz, though, disclaims Republicans' views that the paper was used as a cover-up by top health officials. It's about tearing it down about manufacturing a problem and manufacturing distrust to justify an extreme partisan agenda there is currently no consensus on how this virus came to be whether it came from a lab or from nature 555 all right let's go out to long island long island's first legal recreational marijuana dispensary now open it's called strange stars in east farmingdale Drawing just a huge crowd on opening day, lines, uh, lines around the block. You can come in, you know, you feel safe. You're getting the product that you want. Here, you're dealing with a legitimate business, so you're getting a savory character. And That's a long time coming. I mean, look at all the people. <laughs> Camel Dean Singh is the store's owner. He previously had a marijuana possession conviction. The state gave priority for pot licenses to people with cannabis convictions. I got it rewarded for a punishment back in the days, but it came handy, you know. Look at it, you know, the support is here. And there's no harm in smoking weed. And his store likely going to be very successful because only a few Long Island communities have opted to allow cannabis stores to open. So Strain Stars expects business will continue to be brisk. And finally, let's end with a hero story. New York State police troopers, uh, two of them, saved more than two dozen people from Sunday's floods in the Hudson Valley. Troopers Jason Cole and Andrew Giga got a call during the flooding on Sunday about a medical emergency and a stranded car. When they got to the scene, they soon realized more people were there stuck in their car. Lots of people trapped amid rushing water. So, uh, well, here they are. Not to sound cliche, but I guess this is what like we prepare for, right? Sure. As a trooper, you never know what you're going to come across. It's definitely something that will 
Never forget. So this is in the Bear Mountain area. They see all these people trapped. They can't get to them. So they go into MacGyver mode. They take these canine leashes that they have in their trunk and a climbing rope, and they create a 150-foot-long line and uh, tie it to two different vehicles. And then the people can hold on to the vehicles, hold each other's hand, and get out of the flooding area. So we would take them in groups of probably five or six people at a time and tell them, to hold hands with each other and then grab the rope and walk across. And Tuberguiga would be in front of them and I would be in the back. Yeah, the two might have saved all these people's lives who were could have been stuck in their cars for a long time. This is what we do, I guess, as troopers. And I would do it again. Yeah, still is heroic.